28. We're going to turn to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. I want to just read a passage of scripture that I think will bless you and have a lot to do with what we've been talking about. In Isaiah 58 is where God talks about the true fast. How many of you have uh, read this before? He really reprimands the people for fasting for their self, own selfish, self-righteous purposes. And, uh, and he talks about how they afflicted their bodies and they, you know, they would sprinkle ash on themselves and they would you know, just uh, go through all kinds of religious contortions and thinking that they're going to somehow or another persuade God to overlook their sinfulness. And God said, that's not, that's not the fast that I've chosen. In Isaiah 58, beginning with verse 6, he says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. You know, one of the best ways to have healing constantly flowing through your life and through your body and in the midst of our church is for us to do the fast that God has chosen. Amen. And, uh, and so he said, your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And that word glory mean, means uh, the heaviness or the mightiness of the Lord. God's might, God's weightiness will be your rear guard. Amen. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And that's the word of the Lord for, the, for today. As I was uh, looking at these pictures and preparing this presentation, I just kept hearing Isaiah 58. Uh, in my mind and so I, I went home and I looked it up and I began to read and the Lord began to share with me that that uh, uh, this is what we have done and not just in this last missions uh, 
project, but we have done it over and over and over throughout the history of Cornerstone Church. Cornerstone Church is known around the world as, as a people who give sacrificially in spite of their dwindling numbers, in spite of our accelerating ages, we're all getting older, in spite of you know what uh, our circumstances might uh, uh, be a little contrary to our actions because uh, we're not acting like a small church. We're acting like a big church. We're acting like a church that's got, you know, that, that's got plenty of money. And uh, and yet, when people ask me, they say, well, how, how big is your church back in the States? And I said, well, you know, on a good Sunday, we might have 20 people there. And they get this incredulous look on their face. They can't believe that I'm out doing what I'm doing with a church behind me that that's small. But what they don't understand is that God always provides through people who hold their hands open. Amen. Amen? If, if people were, you know, if we were the kind of people that, you know, are always counting the beans and saying, you know, we can't afford to do anything. We've got all these bases to cover, you know, thinking naturally, like most people do, uh, then we would never do anything. We would all, you know, we'd be we'd be fasting and praying for God to meet our needs. But if you notice, the fast that God's looking for is not the fast that says, "Lord, help me, Lord, provide for me," but it's the fast that says, "I'll take I'll take out of whatever I have to share with other people." And we have shared we have shared our time, our efforts, our money. We have bought food for people. I, I ran into people in uh, in Nepal that we have in the past uh, uh, helped provide food for them, especially during COVID when they were all locked down and nobody could nobody could go to they couldn't even go to the grocery store without being shot. <clears throat> they were out of food, and uh, Adam said he had found a way, you know, to get food to them by getting on his little scooter. <laughs> And hauling bags and bags of flour and beans and stuff illegally, you know, he he had to go through the back rows and miss all the checkpoints because they 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 were stopping people from moving anywhere in the city, and yet Adam was taking food to uh, pastors and and churches to be distributed that that we provided for, not just us but other churches as well. But so during that time, every church, almost every church that was in our, our little network uh, lost their buildings because they, all, they were all leasing the land and they would have to build a building on the land and they would number the parts so that when their lease ran out, they can go for lease another piece of ground and move their little tin shed to the other building and put it back together by numbers because in Nepal, Christians can't own property. Churches can't own property. Well, during COVID, they lost all their leases. And so they had to, they had to abandon their, uh, their meeting places. And that only led to their lack of income and their lack of food. And that's why we had, we had to step in and help. But uh, uh, since COVID, 20 of those churches have rebuilt. Praise the Lord. 
and we helped to rebuild uh, some of those churches. Why don't we put, we helped buy uh, sheeting uh, for the roof of one of them, and then we helped to provide some concrete uh, for the floor of another one. And, uh, and I've stood in those buildings that Cornerstone Church contributed uh, to build, and, uh, and I've sat at the table with some of those pastors who were starving back in 2020. But Cornerstone Church, you know, we rallied. We did what we could. There were other, we're not the only church that did that. I don't ever claim to be the only one, but we're not in competition with anybody. We do what we can. And, uh, and because of that, we, you know, I believe the Lord wants us to know that we stand in, in a rightful place of receiving the benefits of those who, uh, who participate in the true fast. We participate in, in giving to meet the needs of people who we never know or never meet, never see, but we know they're there and we know they're our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And as a result, God said he would open up the healing fountains and healing would flow in our midst and we'd always have light. We would not be walking in darkness, but we will have the light of day shining brightly upon us and healing flowing and there would be, there would be a, a plenty of God's uh, satisfying of our soul and drought and strengthening our bones and we would be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I would like for that to be true, amen, of us. Uh, I'd like for people to say, you know, he, he had strong bones. And I do, praise the Lord. I had the dentist tell me one time, you've got the strongest teeth I've seen in a long time. You know. <laughs> amen, I've got strong bones and strong teeth. Why is that? It's not because I drink a lot of milk, because I don't. But it's, I, I think the Lord makes us strong for the, for the task that He has for us. Amen. And uh, sometimes we feel weak. You know, there was a couple platforms there that, you know, they don't make steps according to OSHA. Their steps are like this. Like this. One step, you got to step that high. Well, I can get my foot up there, but I can't get the rest of me on top of it. I don't have I don't have the leg strength and knee strength to just hop up there on on one of those high, high steps, especially after climbing up a mountain to get there and stumbling over rocks and things. You know, you know it's it's not what I'm used to, and so I I get my one foot up there, and then they get behind me and push. They get in front of me and pull. Uh, you saw that truck that people were riding to that church in, that truck? Well, you know, I rode up that mountain in that little three-wheel thing, bouncy, bouncy, bouncy all the way, and it was a strain on that little, you know, all, all of us guys in there, and so they were wanting to distribute the weight a little bit, and, uh, and since I'm the old man, they put me in that truck, which was fine with me because it, it had better springs than that little three-wheeler. And uh, and so the ride back down the mountain was was a lot easier than the ride up the mountain. However, the truck was up pretty high, 
And uh, and anyway, me getting into that truck. You know, I got one foot up on one step, and that's as far as I went. And so they're pushing behind me, and they get in. One guy gets in the truck, grabs me, and starts pulling, and they're they're pushing and they're pulling, and I can't do much because they're doing so much. And it was a real struggle to get in there. I want to, let me tell you this: uh, we get about halfway uh, back to the hotel, and all of a sudden they turn off the road in this big truck. And they go to where there was no road, and they just kind of pass between two fences, and they pull up in the yard of Brother John's church. Remember where they had that tent? Well, now they've got a building there, and he's got a house there. And uh, and they let all these people that were standing in the back of the truck. Can you imagine riding on a rough road and standing up? I mean, I could hear them yelling and screaming and laughing and carrying on. They were having a ball, a bunch of young people. And so they pull into this ch- the churchyard, and all these young people, they get out. And the driver opens the door and beckons for me to come out. Well, I just slid out, you know, right on the ground. And they bring one of these little plastic chairs, little plastic, very flimsy plastic chairs, and they set it right in the middle of the yard. And they motion for me to sit in that chair. So I go sit in that chair, and I'm, I'm sitting out in the sun in the middle of the yard, uh, nobody speaks English, and I'm just kind of, what's going on? And the, the chickens start circling my chair, and they start pecking at my feet, and they, they bring me a, a cup of cold Coke, Coca-Cola. And so I'm sitting there in the middle of the yard, sun beaming down on me, the chickens around me. No one's talking to me. I'm wondering, what's going on here? And... Uh, uh, yeah, but after a moment, you know, I finished my coke, and I get up and I take it over to the pastor's wife and give it give it to her, and she said, "Are you finished? You want more?" And I said, "No." And I said, "I don't know. That's all I want." Because after you drink a coke, you're thinking about where's the bathroom. You know, you don't want to drink too much when you're out like that. And uh, so uh, they said, "Well, are you ready to go to the hotel?" And I said, "Yeah," because I was ready to start with. Yeah, I'm ready to go to the hotel. So he says, well, get back in the truck and I'll take you to the hotel. This time, there's nobody to push me. Nobody pulling on me. You know, I opened the door of that truck and I just hopped right up into it. Amen. I figured out I figured out a way to do it. and I Because I, I had all the way down the mountain to think about how I was going to get back in that truck if I had to. And uh, so I get back in the truck and they take me back into town, back to that hotel Instead of turning into the compound, they just stopped there on the highway and said, okay, you can get out here and walk to you. So I get out, because he didn't want to go in there and turn the truck around and come out. And uh, But anyway, uh, Adam and uh, Siraj were there waiting on me, wondering what took me so long. I said, oh, uh, they, they took me for a Coke. <laughs> oh, we didn't get a Coke. And I said, well, you should have been with me, man. I got, I got the royal treatment. But I didn't know what was going on as it was going on. You know, it's one of those things where you think. Nobody explained it to me. <clears throat> but anyway, the Lord, uh, the Lord blessed me and gave me strength. And, and uh, I was able to do all that, all that was necessary. We had a great time. And 
met a lot of people, had a lot of one-on-one -on -one ministry opportunities uh, with people that I've ministered to before, but also people I've never met before. And uh, there were pastors that were there last year that weren't there this year. And then there were pastors that weren't there last year that were there this year. So, it's, you know, there's always a, a, you know, changing, turning over and that kind of thing. And uh, so we got to spend a lot of time with people picking our brains and pulling on us constantly. There, there was hardly any downtime because, you know, if I was at, if we were at the hotel, there were people coming to the hotel to see us. So, you know, they were, they'd come, they'd come into our room and sit down and park themselves for three or four hours. And I'm, and I'm, you know, and I got to where, you know, if Adam's talking to him, I'll just lay on my bed and go to sleep. I didn't worry about it. You put a, you put away all of these uh, uh, sophistication niceties that we have here, and you just go with the flow. Amen. Drank all kinds of coffee, ate all kinds of food, and some, you know, stayed with me longer than others. Some burnt going in and coming out. You know, it was uh, it was interesting. They have they have real spicy, real spicy food. And uh, so, but God, God was good, and we we didn't go hungry. That's for sure. And uh, but I just want to let you know that it's not something that Pastor Ron and Adam go and do. It's something that we're all involved in. Uh, every one of you gave and uh, and shared and and prayed and and entered into this uh, this mission with us, and so. Uh, you are a recipient of all the benefits that we talked about here in Isaiah 58. This, this belongs to you. Your health will speed forth speedily. You will walk in the light and not in darkness. You will be like a watered garden. You will not be uh, disappointed because God rewards. He rewards those that go and He rewards those that stay, stay with the stuff. You know, I left Ruth behind. I left her, you know, she stayed with the stuff. But, but she had a role to play. She ministered. She, she was here, uh, you know, for people that needed prayer. And, and, and uh, God, bless, God will bless her just like he blessed me for going. The same is true with all of us. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Your, your water that God provides, it will be a water that does not fail. You'll never go lacking. Hallelujah. This church will never go lacking. Yeah, right. Amen? Yeah. yeah, we need more people. And if we had more people, we'd buy, we might have more money. And, and if we had more money, we might be able to do more. And we would do more because God sees what we do with little. And what did he say? He said, if you're faithful in little, I'll make you ruler over much. And I, I believe when God counts faithfulness, He counts people that make themselves available to Him and His purposes and give sacrificially out of what they have. You know, we were, we were discussing, Ruth and I were discussing Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever quoted that scripture? Well, do you know that scripture is not for everyone? 
if you'll read that verse, let's just go over the Philippians chapter 4. If you read that in its context, it is a special promise for a special people. I want you to find and thank God we are we are we are qualified. Notice uh, uh, start in Philippians chapter four. Let's start with verse thirteen. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now that's just fancy King James. For you did well because you shared with me in my need. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Alright, so the Philippian church set themselves apart by their giving. No church was giving to Paul except the Philippian church. So the Philippian church, they are a giving church. Amen? For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. They sent twice. They sent him an offering. Now the Philippians were not rich people. They were giving out of their whatever they had they were giving sacrificially and he says he says you did it not because i ask you to or not because i desire a gift but i desire fruit that may abound to your account but i have all and abound i am full having received of the epaphroditus the things which were sent from you see paul said that he abounded and was full because of the gifts that were sent to him through Epaphroditus. Amen? An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now look at verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need. Whose need? These Philippians who gave to him. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you see, this promise that a lot of people like to take out of context and just say, my God will supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus is applicable only for those who are in that, that, that special category of giving to the ministry of the Gospel. People who give to God can claim that God will supply all their needs according to His riches and glory. Look around you. Not everybody in the world has their needs met. Look around you even in the church. Not every everybody that goes to church gets all their needs met. What, sets, what, what is the distinction? The distinction is what those people do. When they are uh, confronted with a need. When they're confronted with a need, do they give out of what they have to help meet that need? And when they do, they set themselves up for God's supply. Amen. So that excessive uh, promise of God to supply all your need according to His riches and glory is for those 
who do exactly what we do as a church. Amen. There have been many times in the history of this church I've, I, I wondered where the money was going to come from to pay the rent. But do you know we have not paid our rent late in many, 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 many years. Many years. Thank God. God we, because we have found a way to stay uh, under God's open heaven of blessing. And that's by always giving. Always giving. And it's not how much you give. It's it's what's left after you give. You know? <laughs> if I was a multi-millionaire and I gave $1,000 a month to missions, it would be nothing. But if I'm only making $2,000 a month and I give $1,000 a month to missions, that's a different story. Amen? Especially if I give it out of a, out of a heart of love and willingness. God loves a cheerful giver. Can you say amen? So this this year, you know, we gave uh, we gave uh, you know our church gave over a thousand dollars to help feed all these people who came to these conferences. You saw them lined up, you know, getting their getting their meal, their lunch meal. Well, you know, we our church our church helped pay for those, that food. Uh, we gave we uh, I gave my interpreter Siraj. He shut down. He has a little uh, he has a little barbecue joint. That's how he makes his living. Well, to take part and to help us and translate for us, he shut down his business for two weeks. So I asked him. I said, Siraj, how much? profit after you pay for all your meat and all your stuff and your rent on your thing how much profit do you normally make in a month and he said from a between 150 and 200 dollars a month and he shut down he shut down his shop for two weeks so he could travel with us and translate for us So I opened my wallet and I pulled out two $100 bills and I said, I said, well, I just want to help. I just want to bless you. And here's, here's $200 to make up for the money that you would have made if you had stayed open. And that's on top of the $50 a day that we paid him to translate. So when, when, when I left Siraj, the last time I saw him, he was cooking. He was cooking barbecue and chicken and, and whatever. And, and the last time I saw him, I knew that he didn't lose money by shutting down his shop. And that was money that you guys handed me while I'm on my way out of town. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I could tell you I could tell you who handed it to me, but that's immaterial. Uh, I had two individuals hand me cash. Lord. And that cash got passed on to bless a man who is worthy of being blessed. Amen. Amen. And we worked him like a dog. He did all the translating. He translated for Sean. 
He translated for Adam. He translated for me. And he did it day after day after day. As well as he led, he led some of the worship. Amen. And he cooked some of the food. I mean, you saw those big old pots where they were stirring, you know, Siraj was right out there stirring, you know, cooking the food. I mean, he never rested. <laughs> so I, I handed him, I was pleased to hand him what I thought was uh, a, just, a just reward. Amen. And then, as I'm leaving Nepal to come home and Adam's getting ready to take another plane to India, I handed Adam all the money I had left. I, I think I gave him about $350. Just just said, here, I know you're going to need it when you get to India. And uh, just blessed him. So that, you know, I, I came home with just enough money to get me through the door. Amen. But I, I'll tell you what. I don't count that money as lost. It's, it's put in fertile soil. Souls were saved this week in India with the money that this church sent. Amen. You saw that little Hindu girl that I was hugging there in that video? She came to the Lord. I led her in the sinner's prayer. There at the end of that service. And that, that's a soul added to the account of this church. Not to mention the others that prayed the you know the prayers with us and what have you. So you know we are sowing seeds, and we're giving, but we're not we're not thinking of ourselves when we're doing it. And that's what this this Isaiah fifty eight is all about. <clears throat> God reprimanded them at the beginning because they were being selfish. They were thinking only of themselves. They were not repenting of their sins. They were trying to manipulate God. But he says, he says, no, this is the kind of fast I want. And it's the kind of thing that we are doing. And I'm not saying that to get you all prideful and puffed up. I'm just saying you're in line for some good stuff to come your way. What do you need? My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, because you met the qualification. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't do all that much. Well, if all you did was gather around me the Sunday I was being prayed over before I left and just laid hands on me and prayed, if that's all you did, that's worthy. That's worthy of harvest. Can you say amen? Because we're in this thing together. And speaking of such, I want, to, I want us to have communion. We haven't had communion in the last couple of weeks and <clears throat> I miss it. And so we're going to have communion and we're going to celebrate our coming together and pooling our resources together to do a wonderful work for God in Nepal. Amen. And as we take communion together, let's 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 remember that Jesus was the first missionary. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was the first missionary. 
And he came to lay down his life. That's what missionaries do. They lay down their lives. They put aside what m most people consider essential. They leave their families. They leave their fortunes. They leave everything behind. Think about Chris Brochu who's in uh, Zambia right now. He's been, he's been gone from home for over a month. Still got another week or two before he gets to go back to Canada where he's running a business, where he's got a family that depends on him. And you got to admire someone who's willing to put their whole life aside, even if it's just for a couple of months. God bless Chris Brochu. God bless Maxine. Amen. Amen. God bless Adam and Julie Culp Amen. and their families. God bless the Thomasons and the Cornerstone family. Not, and we're not saying God bless them because He isn't. We're just saying we're 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 in there. We're included in that number that God said He would bless. Communion means to come into union. Amen. Communion means to come into union with something or someone. Amen. Amen. We're coming into union with what Jesus did through His own body Amen. and through His own blood. Hallelujah. Has anybody got a healing testimony? I mean, God's touched your body lately. and John? What did God do for you? Well, I hurt my back like a month ago. Yeah. If you find the right person, you can put it right. But if you get the wrong person, it ain't going to help. I've had people I went to. And I went to the right person, and I feel like I'm going to Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. There was a lady that came up for prayer in one of our meetings, and I didn't. Under, she kept pointing at her head, and I didn't understand what the problem was. So somebody came along to translate, and they said she's suffering from dementia. The lady knew she was suffering from dementia, and she came for prayer. But all she could do was point at her head, and so I. I pointed at my head and I said, Jesus took a crown of thorns upon his head and they shoved it in so that the thorns penetrated his brain. And he didn't do that just for nothing. But by, you know, we say by his stripes we are healed. I had her confess by his thorns I am healed of dementia. And we just prayed, believe God. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't live there. I don't know what happened. But I'm believing God that she's experiencing healing for her mind. Because Jesus, not only did he bear stripes, but he bore thorns. And he took nails into his hands. And he took a sword into his side. 
So, whatever it is that's wrong with us, Jesus bore it. And with His stripes and by His thorns and His nails and His pierced side. Got a pain in your side? Jesus took a sword so you can be healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, as we come into union with our healing through your precious blood. Amen. And then, of course, the cup. The cup represents, you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But he surrendered eventually his will and he received the cup of suffering that we might receive the cup of blessing. We're blessed because we know the Lord. Can you say amen? Thank you, Father, for blessing us with the benefits of the covenant that is sealed in the blood of your own Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's drink together. And get it all because we don't we don't want to surrender any of our benefits and blessings to the devil. He'd like to steal them from you. He'd like to take it from you, but don't let him take it from you. Say, I'm gonna get it all. I, if I if I have to lick the cup, I'm gonna get it all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Could you stand up with me?